listening to another episode of Fort Riley, the podcast. In observance of Women's History Month, we gathered four women leaders from across the installation to talk about who influenced them and what they hope others will learn from their service. I'm Colonel Ann Kang, and my title is Deputy Commander for Irwin Army Community Hospital. You've now uh, Brigadier General, and I am the Deputy Commanding General for Support. I am uh, Lieutenant Colonel Pearl Christensen. I'm the Battalion Commander for the 601st Aviation Support Battalion, which is a part of the 1st Combat Aviation Brigade underneath 1st Infantry Division. And I'm Colonel Rochelle Artoma, the Dental Health Activity Commander. Would each of you tell me about who inspired you to become who you are today? Um, I want to share, and, and you know, we, I know this is a Women History Month, um, so we want to talk about different women who inspired me. But I also, I, additionally, I have also um, men in my life who have inspired me as well. So I grew up in South Korea. I grew up in Korea with, um, when I was younger, and my grandfather and my grandmother, from my maternal side, they had six girls. Six girls and two boys. And at that time, um, when they were growing up at that time, 1940s, girls were not prioritized in education or just in the life. And so with that, my grandfather really didn't want the, all the girls to have, they weren't treated as second-class citizens. They all went to universities and colleges. They all graduated. They all played sports. And they learned how to swim, ice skate, everything that they could do. And there wasn't any, they didn't minimize the girls to be able to do what they needed to do. They all became professionals. And so they became surgeons, doctors, and pharmacists and all that. So just from that um, history, like it was just kind of that foundation that I had in my life with my parents. And so it was that encouragement that, you know, being a female is not less or that there wasn't any barriers. Additionally, you know, having that from the grandfather, but but building that from the, the father as well, having encouragement from the father to know that that you know being a female is not less than being a male, and that you could do anything that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So that kind of encouraged me to be who I am now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'd, I'd say army-wise, when I, when I was trying to decide what branch to um, to pick when I was at when I was at West Point, they they really gave us an overview of, of all the combat arms branches. But then they said you can't go into any of them. So when I this was this was before women were allowed in the combat arms. So um, my coaches who were all infantry officers from the crew team all said, well, we think you'd like MPs because they have a good field mission. We've seen it as infantrymen. So so I picked MPs and then uh, went off to the MP Corps where I thought at every level. There was, and at least one level above, and sometimes two level above, there was a successful woman that I could see that in some cases was also a, a mother with kids that was looked at as a, a competent professional and appreciated in the military police corps because that integrated in 1979. So by the time I joined, they had kind of worked through the issues of integrating, and now women were, were looked at as it's the, it's the same capability. I need a captain. It doesn't matter if it's a female captain or a male captain. But at every at every level, I could look up and see a successful woman within my branch, which I thought was great. 
So I would, I would start out to say that uh, my father motivated me to join the military. He served uh, 38 and a half years in the reserves before he retired. And uh, he was very similar in that he always taught me that uh, I could do anything and I could be anything. And so that motivated me to join the service. But since been, being in the service, I've had a, a few role models that have really, that I could look up to and see uh, that they have been successful. Um, and a, f a few that were my seniors, a few that were my peers. Um, but uh, in aviation, it, it tends to be a little bit more challenging um, because there's not as many. So they come fewer and far between, but uh, it's always been nice to see those come before, be successful to, see, to, to show us that we can achieve that higher rank. But. So I would have to say that I come from a very long line of strong, very, very strong women. And I'm also very fortunate because my father was very supportive um, ever since I was a little girl of me and, and just following whatever dream that I had. And in terms of the military, I have family members that were in the service. I have um, a great uncle. He was my favorite relative besides my grandmother. Uh, he had served and he was a survivor of the Bataan Death March during World War II. Uh, so he greatly influenced my desire. Uh, my brother served in the 82nd Airborne. Um, as far as women in the military, it, it has taken me a while because I've, I came in, I commissioned at 41 years old, I didn't know a lot of people, and much like Lieutenant Colonel Christensen, you know, the dental field, when I came in, was 25% was female. And in the military, coming in so late, it was, it was hard to make friends and and kind of alliances and find people to look up to. But my last duty station, the principal deputy director is a retired 06 female colonel. She did 31 years, she was in, she was in military intelligence and she became um, the garrison commander for a base that everybody told her she would never be able to get. So right then and there, when she told me that, I was like, okay, you're, you're somebody that, <laughs> that I need to get to know. And, uh, and then honestly, I've had students, female students, especially the prior service female students. I have I have enlisted NCOs that have helped develop me as an officer, and so that's that's really been some of the best part of my army experience so far. Talk about what you hope the women coming up behind you learn from your example, from your career. So um, my hope is that. You know, from like the students, the young students that I see from high school to college and um, the students that I precept, you know, um, to young lieutenants, what my hope is that, that they could see that there's so much opportunities out there and so much opportunities that they could take advantage of and that um, hopefully they don't let it pass by. And that's what I always try to hope that like, you know, there's so much opportunities, don't let it get by, you know, because if you miss that opportunity, you never know what you're going to miss out on. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely hope people see, you know, she seems like a pretty regular person. I can do that, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, really. But I, I really hope that people see also, like, don't ever let anyone tell you no. Exactly. Uh, you, like, or at least don't tell yourself no. Mm -hmm. um, 
always try. And then if someone does tell you no, you, you weren't the one that took yourself out of the running because people do that a lot. Oh, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can do that. This is known for women across all. Women won't, won't apply for a job unless they think they can fit 75 to 80%. Men will apply to a job when they can do 50%. I mean, that's known. That's not just in the military. So I think sometimes people, um, people miss opportunities because they're writing themselves off too much. And I hope they... I hope they can look at everybody in this room and say, "Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to tell myself no. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do it." Yeah. I would uh, include. Uh, I believe in leader development, and not just women leader development, but leader development in general. And without leader development, uh, you can't grow as a person. And so I hope that those who come behind me, not just the ladies, um, but the leaders that come behind me, know that they can accomplish it they see somebody who has accomplished it and that they strive to make themselves better as leaders in the military we have been asked given the sacred responsibility to take care of the men and women the sons and daughters of the american people and so we as leaders have that responsibility on our shoulders we have to be better and so what I want my soldiers and my leaders, and I'm very big on leader development, I run a very tight leader development program within my battalion, I want them to know that they can be better and that they can achieve better. They don't have to be perfect, but they can be better. And just like you said, ma'am, uh, don't let somebody tell you no. Get out there and try to accomplish it. So it's there's also evidence that we're all thinking along the same lines. My, my first one was, is, Never say no to being voluntold, asking to be or asking, being asked to do something, because um, you never know what opportunities will open up after you do something that you never thought you would do, and then don't readily accept no, especially to innovative ideas. Um, try not to say no to subordinates, especially because I'm also big into leader development. There's, you're never going to have enough time. You're never going to have enough money, resources, people to do your job. So that's no excuse to say no to the soldiers to help them develop because their careers, their lives, their families' livelihoods are, are in your hands. And oftentimes I see a lot of leaders say, well, no, because we have, we have to do this for the mission. The mission will, can go on. It will go on. And you just have to be innovative and creative enough to figure out how to make that work. It can't be an excuse to not develop soldiers. Uh, get to know as many people, subordinates especially as possible, really get to know them so that you can develop them. And I'm big on develop, develop, develop as well. As far as peers, positively and support and encourage each other and learn how to collaborate. Um, working with peers is probably the hardest thing that officers are going to learn how to do. Uh, I think it's, it's, you know, for the enlisted it's easier and they just kind of direct down, but, but really the success comes with dealing with peers. Um, I believe in fair and, and equal discipline increases morale and if you don't exact discipline you're not going to have a cohesive unit and then definitely um, use each rank for the betterment of those below I kind of I believe in taking care of those below working well with with those at your level and don't worry about the top no no offense ma'am but if you do those other things the top will be fine and they'll be happy and, and your superiors, the mission will go on and it'll, it'll succeed, so. Women's History Month. Mm -hmm. Why do each of you feel as if that is important? Um, I feel that it's important to celebrate the and have the Women's History Month 
to have the moment to think about all the things that, that in the past that other women have done to break, uh, break barriers um, in the past, for, in the field of, you know, in the army or other things like the NASA and in medicine and then aviation. There's like so many fields that other women in history have broken uh, barriers and that we continue to do. So I think that's important to think about that and celebrate that. And also having that diversity, like that's what makes us um, and not just having one way of thinking, but having that diverse way of thinking as a group and having that input from women, I think is important to have our society there. Um, and then also just empowering our, our youth, empowering our youth to have, you know, our daughters or kids see us um, in uniform or out of uniform or all the things that we do. I think it's, it's empowering for them to see us and all the things that we do, yeah. So just, you know, I think that Women's History Month is important to recognize those, those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I definitely agree. It's it, partly, you get a lot of inspiration from it. Recently, everybody has recognized the postal battalion, the female postal battalion that went to Europe. Mm -hmm. I mean, they did think about how long ago they did that. And now there's a lot of recognition of what a great mission they did. It was all women. It was a it was a colored unit that went over there led by a female lieutenant colonel. I mean, it's just fantastic. And they sorted through all this mail that had been just backlogged. And they said that this is all for morale, you know, and when they got back, they didn't really get that much recognition, just finally getting that recognition now from a World War II mission. So, but now people know about it and realize like they're have been a lot of trailblazers along the way as you said you know we i i was it's funny talking to my aide because i i realized it you know she in her mind women have always had these opportunities because since she's been in the army they have so i mean it's awesome she's infantry and she's a ranger but that opportunity has only existed you know in the last probably six years so i i, I try to give her the story of all the people that did stuff before that First female paratrooper, first female tomb guard, a female winning a um, medals for bravery in either Afghanistan or in Iraq. That all cleared the way for the combat arms to be opened um, for women to get her to kind of where she is now. I mean, she did a lot of work individually, but to give her that opportunity to be able to do it. But at the same time, I realized when I was reading something, um, you know, there's so many trailblazers that can be for all of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's women that were in the Women's Army Corps that then, uh, we have one leader in particular that was MP Branch, that she she was in the WAC, she closed the WAC, she was the first female to command an installation. She did this at Fort McClellan, like this is years ago, I'm talking in the 80s, you know. There's other women that they're first person to go to war college, first person, I mean, those yeah. that has all been done and sometimes you have to really reflect on like, wow, the accomplishments of people to get me to where I am, to give me these kind of opportunities and then can you, can I continue to do that for people kind of following me yeah. the uh, I, I feel it's important um, because of the history uh, if we don't remember our history we will we're doomed to repeat it um, and this goes for all the months that we recognize but uh, diversity are, is our biggest uh, strength when it comes to the United States in the United States military and if we don't celebrate our diversity and provide opportunities for those who have not experienced the challenges of being 
a woman in the military or a woman in general or uh, an African-American or a Pacific Islander or a minority individual, those opportunities to to learn about those cultures that experience provides those individuals perspective. And by providing that perspective, we can grow uh, our young men and women and and give them ability to see beyond what they've experienced. so I think it's important so that we can share the perspective and teach others about what has come before us and hopefully give examples for them to follow ourselves. I agree, I agree with what everybody has said so far because uh, it's historically it's been a man's world, it's been a man's military and every generation needs leaders and trailblazers to inspire and motivate them and we as women bring a unique, um, varied perspective and complementary skill sets uh, to the table, and I don't, I don't think we could survive or, or move forward without that, um, especially with the way the world is changing today. Yeah, I, I would say too. The um, I think sometimes people, uh, you take a look back and you say change happens over time, right? People can sometimes get very frustrated when changes don't happen right away. The first class that was allowed to go to the academies was a class of 80. You know, from the females going to the academies to females being allowed to go to ranger school, I mean, there's a lot of years. And the, and the great thing is there's there's great people that work within those time frames that, that chip away at things that, for whatever reason, are barriers. But they don't, they don't get to do it all. But then they get to tag hand it off to the next people that, that chip away a little bit. But um, if you look at things that change things over time, it's like policies. It's things like Title IX. Think about how impactful Title IX is. I mean, the, all women play sports now. It used to be like only this kind of small segment. And was that person a tomboy because they played sports? Yeah, but that's not even like a thing now. Like, But that's all because of like a big policy change in Title IX and money going to those programs. But Title IX came into effect, well, my God, I, I don't know, 30 years ago or something like that. So, you know, big changes kind of policy changes, things change over time. But within the what people are able to do at that time, they do kind of carve paths that other people can follow, which is, I think, great. I think we've we've kind of said it before, but, you know, for all those leaders out there, they just need to continue to, to believe that they can make a difference and be that example that continues to move forward and chip away at the challenges that they're faced, whatever that challenge may be, but they need to continue to strive to be better and continue forward and be that example for those who come come after. In this room, we are all closer to the ends of our careers than we are the beginning. So our job is to lead the next generation of leaders within our military. And so that's the best thing that we could do to make our army better, our military better, is, is to provide that example and to show them how. What I find promising is that the military is, is a microcosm of what's happening in society. And with the way society is, has been moving forward progressively, it's, I think, you know, there have been, there have been discussions uh, for, for both sides, but I think in general, we're moving in a positive direction, um, despite all of the, you know, the, the back and forth debates, you know, on the outside, socially and, and politically and whatnot. I, I actually think that it's an opportunity for us to grow and uh, like everyone here has said, if you make a decision out of fear, 
it's probably going to be the wrong it's going to be the wrong decision so just stand up for yourself be authentic do what you think is right and just let the chips fall where they may I'd say too, if I could add, I think um, I think everybody realizes now too, like a team that is, you know, maybe a little bit more diverse when you have a lot of people and they all feel valued and they feel like they can contribute. I mean, that that's like the best feeling in the world. I, and I think everybody, it, we have the ability to have those kind of environments now. I mean, that where where it's like there isn't a segregation thing anymore. You know, I mean, really racial segregation or whatever, where you can like bring everyone into the fold and like, look what you do at the hospital is critical. You know, what you do as an aviator is critical. Like every Everybody's contributing, and I think that environment hasn't existed our whole careers, but I think it actually does now. And good leaders bring that all together, like, and actually make people feel like I'm part of this team, I'm an important member of the team, and by everybody contributing with different perspectives and different skills, we actually accomplish the mission much better. I think that's a really nice thing about the environment that we have today. Thank you for listening to Fort Riley, the podcast. Oh,